Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. Such a pleasure today to be here with Laura Knight, owner of downtown iconic Santa Barbara restaurant, Pascucci. And uh, I want to talk to you, Laura, about everything going on with State Street and outdoor dining and State Street master plan and so much of what people are talking about in terms of what downtown is going to look like for the next, you know, hundred years, um, you know, if we can believe that. But Laura, first, how are you doing today? As, we're, as we record this, it's a Saturday, and I know you're going to have a busy day today. How's it going? Going well. Thank you, Josh. Um, thanks for having me on your on your podcast. Yeah, thank you. You were one of the early ones too. We did it when I was just audio, and I, you know, we, we appreciate that. Um, let's dive right in and talk about what's happening. You have a very successful restaurant, been around 30 years. It's successful because of all the work you put into it. And we're in this moment of time right now where we're trying to decide as a city, as a community, what State Street is going to look like coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic. Several blocks have been closed to vehicles, uh, cars. And so there's all these competing interests about what State Street is going to look like. And there you are at the 500 block in the heart of it, and I kind of want to just check in with you uh, from your perspective as a restaurant owner, amid all of these conversations about what State Street is going to look like and the parklets and the future and parades and bicycles and pedestrians and cars. How are things going from your perspective as a local restaurant owner? Um, things are going well. I think it's been determined that people do like dining outside. Um, you know, when COVID hit, uh, the city was kind of forced to do something and they made a big decision to open um have state street be closed to car traffic and have restaurants move their tables outside into the street so we could have a few tables out there and no tables inside due to covid and i think they were pleasantly surprised how much people liked it and still like it um you know kind of a european feel watching people go by um as you know they've hired a consulting firm to try to figure out the future of it and get a more a, a look that's not so hodgepodge and people doing their own thing. They've got um, certain colors they want. They've got some furniture guidelines, some lighting guidelines. Um, they're just trying to kind of pull it all together and have it look nicer, which is completely understandable. Um, I think all the bars and restaurants were very appreciative that the city let them do this. And I think, you know, I, I'm hoping it'll stay. I think um, it makes sense that they want to work things out. I know there's some issues with the, the bikes and the e-bikes, and I think they're, they're just trying to work through that. Um, lots of groups are meeting, lots of conversations are happening. Um, downtown Santa Barbara has formed a bar and restaurant committee that meets monthly to discuss all these things, just so that we know what's coming down the pipes and what the city is going to require of us and there have been a lot of hoops to jump through and making sure everything's ada compliant um that's important we all have to have a ramp that a wheelchair can get to a table outside and you know it's just a process we're having to go through so i cover a lot of these government meetings where you have a lot of um, planning staff you have elected officials and obviously restaurant owners will speak you have a lot of critics of, of uh, the way State Street looks talking. We don't hear as often from an actual restaurant owner publicly at these meetings. So I kind of want to give you a little bit of space here. 
are you making money hand over fist um, in this economy? Uh, are you struggling? How important is it that the city figures this out for a a restaurant such as you? Talk a little bit about your your experience just owning your restaurant. Well, I think what's going on right now with the economy, I mean, there's been so much going on. We're coming out of COVID. COVID was challenging for many, many reasons. It was just sort of something nobody saw coming and you just weathered the storm. You know, the economy's tightening right now. People are concerned about their budgets. They're concerned about the stock market. They're concerned about a lot of things, um, the debt ceiling. And I, I think everyone's just kind of tightening their belt. They're not dining out as much. So I don't, know if a lot of restaurants are making money hand over fist right now i think it's just kind of survival of the fittest um it's it's sad to see restaurants that have been open a long time not making it like fresco as you'd mentioned yeah. um and you know it's just um the thing too is that we operate on a very small profit margin um most people know that you know you strive for a 10 percent profit margin so when you have some slow months and basically two months of rain and very few customers, um, you know, we're not just not making money, we're losing money because, you know, you have to pay your staff, you have to pay your rent, you've got to pay your utilities, you have fixed costs that don't go away. Um, so, you know, you've got to make up for that when things get better. And the hotels have seen um, a drop in business the first quarter. Um, I'm on a board called Hospitality Santa Barbara. We merged with the Chamber of Commerce a few years ago. Mm-hmm. We meet monthly via Zoom, and the hotels had a really challenging first quarter. We didn't get very many tourists here. We get quite a few tourists from Los Angeles coming up for the weekend, and they had the same storms we had. So pretty much if you lived in L.A. and you saw on your weather that it was going to be five days of rain, you wouldn't get in your car and drive to Santa Barbara to sit in a hotel. Mm -hmm. Um, so that really challenged all of hospitality, January, February into March and things are better in April. We've got summer coming up, Father's Day, graduations, solstice. So I think everyone's optimistic. It's going to be a good summer. Yeah. What, what message do you want city leaders to, to, to get when it comes to what the future should look like? You know, the emergency ordinance to allow the outdoor dining, I believe, ends this year in December. Uh, so they'll have to decide whether to extend that. We know that the State Street master plan process is a, a year's long effort, right? It's it's not going to happen overnight. Um, and we know that they just recently got over this debate about how much to charge for outdoor seating. Um, what message do you want them to to receive when it comes to how they can best accommodate and facilitate successful restaurants downtown? Um, you know, I, I I think we all need to remember that we're not going to make 100% of the population of Santa Barbara happy. And I think we have to just do our best to, to do what we can that helps businesses. I mean, small business is the backbone of, of our town. And um, it's really important for people to support local business. It's important for the city leaders to listen to what the businesses need. Um, They sent out a poll to residents in Santa Barbara and 86% of them liked State Street being closed to car traffic. So the 14% don't, and those people are speaking up, but for the most part, people like to be outside. They like the feeling, they like the people watching, the fresh air. Um, 
it's it's been very well received and i think they need to do the, the best they can to keep it the parklets um yes need some work but um i think they just kind of need to look at the big picture and let the the groups that are meeting have their meetings talk present things and get feedback and then go from there i think you know one one meeting that was really tumultuous and argumentative i think they just kind of need to look at that like well people are speaking out they have different views let's let this settle let's see where it goes let's let the consulting firm do what they were hired to do and i like the fact that they're giving three options not just one they're not coming in and saying this is what you should do they're saying here are some ideas do you want to take components of all three um but you know let let the firm they've got an excellent reputation i i did hear early on many people saying that they did some research and that this firm MIG is really good at what they do and hopefully they're the right fit for Santa Barbara. Yeah, I know they get a lot of contracts. Um, so they, they do have a good reputation. This will be the hardest question I ask you because this is what I hear critics say, which is before the pandemic, you had a, a fixed number of, of seats, look uh, spots, you know, inside a restaurant, uh, some sidewalk dining, and now, um, pandemic is you know, over uh, for the most part, and you've got extra seats out in the public space, you know. And so, um, there's this thinking of why should restaurants be able to have so much extra seating um, out in the public right away, where where you know somebody wants to, you know, enjoy that space too, and I guess doesn't want to see a, a parklet. Can you just? Um, answer that or talk a little bit about that i'm sure you've heard that criticism is well why do restaurants deserve all this outdoor not free but all this frontage that um other other businesses aren't don't get if they're not on state street um well first off we don't have a lot of extra seating out there we have currently two tables on the street we've got two more being made that will fit out there mm -hmm. the extra two we had out on the street we moved inside because the city changed the um, all the regulations of everything. We used to have a, a bigger um, footprint out on the street and state law required a 20 foot path down the middle of the street versus 14. So yes. everybody's parklet shrank. People had to lose some tables. Um, so we don't have that much more seating. Um, in the beginning we had our tables very far apart because the health department had guidelines. We could only have 25% occupancy. Then they raised it to 50. Now we can have tables wherever. Um, so it's really balanced out for us. And I, you know, there are some apartments that have a lot more seating. There are um, restaurants that have quite a bit more because they're in front of other businesses that have allowed and been okay with them doing that. Yeah. Um, we're not one of those. We don't have a physical parklet built. We just move our marble tables in and out in the morning, move them back in at night. Right. So, so some restaurants have quite a bit more. And and to be honest, I think, you know, right from the beginning, everyone, I'll, I'll speak for myself, but I think most of the restaurants said they were okay with paying for that space out there because we knew we were getting extra revenue. Um, we were a little shocked when they came back with the, you know, $5 and up. Yeah. And everyone's happy that they, they lowered it. But another thing to know, too, is that we asked right in the beginning, where is this money going? And the answer that a lot of people don't know that I think needs to get out to the public is it's going to keep the streets cleaner. They're going to start 
or they are starting their street steam cleaning and power washing sidewalks and streets weekly. It wasn't done that often. It's mm-hmm. it was done, but not as much. It's going to be done much more frequently. Yeah. So that's a good use for the money. Right. And I, I just want the public to know that that we're okay with it because it's going to something that makes sense. Right. And and I don't want to trigger pandemic memories too much here, but can you talk about how you survived, how you made it? You know, so many yeah, restaurants you know went what? out of right off the bat. We were very fortunate. Um, you know, it was kind of a, a scary time because restaurants, well, actually all businesses, middle of March 2020 had to make this huge decision based on knowing nothing. You know, you you can stay open and do takeout and delivery or close. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. You had to make that decision like that minute, you know, how long is it going to be? And, you know, the answers were, well, somewhere between a week and a year. We don't know. Like nobody knew. No mm-hmm. one knew. So you're, you're making this huge decision that involves your entire staff and your business knowing nothing. If someone could, could say, you know, it ended up being two and a half months. And if someone could have said, it'll be two and a half months, that would have been a much easier decision. But we had no idea. It was just a free fall for everyone. So because we had just moved um, in January and we were closed for three weeks with the move, we weren't expecting that. Thought it would be a week. It turned into three weeks. Um, When COVID hit, the last thing I wanted to do was close again and have my staff out of work. So I said, you know, let's just give it a shot. Let's try it. Let's try takeout and delivery. And it worked well for us. I mean, our sales were about about 25% of what they normally would have been. But it was something and it kept the staff there. And fortunately, about a month into COVID, I got a phone call from um, the Center for Successful Aging, Gary Linker, saying, hey, do you want to do this senior lunch program? It's five days a week. And I just I was just felt it was wonderful. It was exactly what we needed. It was what the seniors needed. Um, it was uh, five days a week to begin with. And um So we packed up little brown bag hot lunches for the seniors. The agency had drivers that picked them up and it was about a hundred seniors per day for five days a week. After a few months, it tapered off to three days a week. Um, But it was a great program. It lasted almost two years before the funding ran out and it, it kept my staff busy. It was just, it was just exactly what we needed at that time. So I feel very fortunate. I know other restaurants didn't have that, that fortune to, to have a program like that. So it was really great for us. Mm-hmm. And it was great for the seniors too, because with COVID they were so isolated and, you know, scared to go to the grocery store and scared to walk outside. And they, you know, they were very, very isolated. And so the driver showing up daily saying, how are you doing? Here's your meal. Are you doing okay? was really good for them. It was their only human contact a lot of, for a lot of them for a long time. So we were very fortunate. I, I, you know, we kind of survived. People ask me, you know, how are you with your staff? Are you shorthanded? And we were very fortunate to not go through a really rough time with that because I think the restaurants that closed for two and a half months with COVID and then end of May when we could open back up, they did hired their staff back. Then six months later during the holidays of all times, November, December, it happened again. We, there was a second closure, you know, the, the roller coaster ride of, come back to work, don't have a job, come back to work, don't have a job. I think those are the businesses that have had a more challenging time keeping their staff. So I feel very fortunate for all of that. 
Um, a lot of big decisions that we've never had to make before and we'll hopefully never have to make again. Um, but you know, that's what COVID was. It was a, a planet-wide, worldwide pandemic that affected, there's probably not one person on the planet that wasn't affected either financially or physically or emotionally. I mean, it was just kind of a crazy time. And then, you know, there was the the government funding that, you know, in some ways during COVID, it was not easy by any means, but it was, they, they made it less painful. They're just here, pay your staff. Don't worry about losing jobs. Keep your staff there. Even if you don't need them, even if you're slow and have very little business, we'll help you out. So it was a process to go through, you know, you had to show with payroll reports where the money went and that it, you were actually paying your employees and not buying sports cars. And so that was, you know, kind of a interesting, crazy thing too, but yeah, I went through it. <laughs> well, people did buy sports and, cars. and not just restaurants. I mean, all businesses were offered the PPP and it, it just kept things better than they could have been. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was um, amazing. I guess that's the only way I could describe it better than they could have been. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to ask you about the Pascucci story in a second, but before that, I want to um, ask you about parades and, you know, you mentioned solstice is coming up and then of course Fiesta. Uh, do you, uh, I guess we, we used to have 4th of July parade downtown too. Uh, do you have any thoughts on parades and whether somehow we could get those back on state or are you sort of um, good? You know, I, I think the alternatives have worked well. Mm-hmm. I'm on the solstice board and I think Santa Barbara street's a, a good alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in a perfect world, they would be back on state street, but then we wouldn't have the outdoor dining. And I think weighing the two, I think the outdoor dining, I mean, I don't, they've, they've talked about having the parklets completely a hundred percent removable for parades. And that might be an alternative. I think, I think if restaurants were told, you know, you can have them all of the time, but, during a parade, you'll have to move them. That would probably work. We'd much rather have them 95% of the time than not at all. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm speaking for everyone, so I don't really know, but, um, and I don't have a physical parklet to move. I mean, you think about if you've got a giant, you know, 15 by 30 foot wooden platform, where do you, you don't just pick it up and move it and where do you put it? But, right. um, that's something they've, they've got to think about. So I, I yeah. think they all have to be movable and take them apart and put them somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely, um, you know, different because, you know, you've just got chairs and tables and you pull them in and out. And some of the other places they get lots of the attention from the community um, are not Pascucci. You know, you no one ever complains about Pascucci's outdoor dining <laughs> uh, setup. And I want to just transition from there to uh, you and your story. Uh, I, I'm uh, from this area, you know, and I've grown up uh, with Pascucci always as a stable uh, restaurant in Santa Barbara. And so um, can you talk a little bit about you and how did you start this restaurant? Uh, what was your story? Were you, you know, We just celebrated our 30 year anniversary. Which is, it's hard to believe. Um, we opened in 93 and um we have a lot of loyal customers, a lot of people, you know, it was interesting with the 30 year anniversary because we had a big promotion for two and a half weeks. And um, a lot of people came in and said, you know, it's my first time downtown since COVID. Um, we just don't get out much. And, you know, 
patronizing the restaurants great you know you can't just survive on the tourists in the summertime you've got to keep your loyal local customers happy all year round um but yeah it's i i love my business i am here every day i work by side by side with my employees to have a good working relationship and um to greet customers and we just really appreciate the support from santa barbara not just through the pandemic but just for 30 years it's um Restaurants are a challenging business and um, you need to keep your food consistent. You need to keep your service consistent. Um, how is it? How, how did you come to Stephen start a restaurant? Uh, yeah. Can you take me back to the way, what were you doing, you know, in 1990, 91, 92, and then all of a sudden you, you start Pascucci in 93. Walk me through that. Um, I was in retail before that and I love to cook. I always thought it would be fun to op open a restaurant. I had no idea what I was getting into. Mm -hmm. Did not work in a restaurant before opening. So it was a big learning curve to get started. First few years were very challenging. I, I learned a lot of lessons the hard way. Um, lost a lot of sleep, cried a lot of tears. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a great... You have to love the restaurant business to be in it because there's nothing like it. Um, so that yeah, it's and, and thirty thirty years. It's kind of a long time. <laughs> I remember Palazzo, which you know, and you're not affiliated with, but I mean, I just mentioned them that they were a downtown Italian restaurant that is no longer here. You're still here, you know. You've endured. You've been able to to survive all of this time. You were on the 700 block for a while. Can you talk about? What happened there and, 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 you know, moving and shifting to the 500 block? Uh, that yeah, we were in Casano Evo for 20, 25 years. Mm -hmm. um, a smaller space behind Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf for five years and then the larger space at 729. And when our lease was up three and a half years ago, um, I asked the landlords if they would negotiate a new lease. Our rent was 30000 a month. They didn't raise it. That's what it was. And... They would not, didn't even get a response from them. Five so, years ago, it was $30,000 a month. Wow. Three years ago. Three yeah. years ago. Yeah. And actually it ended up being a great thing because Nordstrom's closed two months later. They've been yeah. vacant for three years, more than that, three and a half years. Macy's has been vacant for five years. So there's a shopping mall with no anchors. So had we tried to stay and pay $30,000 a month rent, we obviously definitely would not be in business. Yeah. So that that block, unfortunately, is just not what it used to be. I mean, Nordstrom's and Macy's were a big draw, and they're both just sitting there. City's trying to figure out what to do with them. So I think they're going to put housing and offices in there. Yeah. Kind of heard different things. There was supposed to be a skating rink that fell through. Yeah, bathrooms apparently they needed bathrooms. Um, yeah. But <laughs> um, yeah, you had a great uh, stroke of luck or fortune or whatever, because the 500 block is really vibrant block for activity restaurants, probably the most vibrant block on state street. And you were able to, to find that, that spot. And um, it's, you know, working, working really well. You were able to maintain a lot of the same vibe at both locations. Like it feels like when you walk into the 500 block version of Pascucci, that it's like the 700 block version of Pascucci. Mm -hmm. You kept a lot of the same decor, did you? Did yeah, you a lot share? of people comment. They say, you know, 
didn't realize you moved. It's very similar. It's got the brick walls, mm -hmm. arches. We've got a big long marble bar. Um, the, the same curtains and some of the same decor. Tried to keep it similar. And also the recessed patio, too. When people walk in, we had a recessed patio at the other location. Um, so we have outdoor dining that's covered, sheltered. You know, you can come in the rain with your dog and not get wet. Yeah. So um, that's another reason people walk in and, and they're like, did you move your bathrooms? Like we moved the whole restaurant. <laughs> so People don't always realize that we moved when they come in. Right. Like the street being closed, they kind of lose their bearings of where they are. Uh, and are you Italian or why did you start an no, Italian restaurant? I'm not Italian. I've taken a few trips to Italy. It's beautiful. I love it. For anyone that's never been to Italy, definitely go. Mm -hmm. um, it's amazing. I haven't been in quite a while, but I'm sure it hasn't changed much. And you chose Italian restaurant. How come, as opposed to you know, Mexican or you know any other popular foods locally? Um, you know, I just I just fell in love with Italy when I went and thought it, thought it never worked in a restaurant. Thought it would be a whole lot of fun to open a restaurant. So I really, honestly, did not know what I was getting into. Yeah, and I know it hasn't been easy, but what do you think has been the key to your ability to? to survive for 30 years uh well as you know we try to keep our, our prices fair um yeah. i absolutely hate raising prices but it's a necessary evil it's something restaurants have to do and food costs have been a roller coaster ride the last year plus um uh but i think you know i think customers understand when when restaurants raise their prices because you go grocery shopping and things are it's sticker shock it's like you know things that you bought last week are just noticeably higher so i think people people get it it's kind of simmering down it's not as crazy as it was a few months ago i mean eggs were eggs it was like a dollar for an egg like <laughs> dollar to buy an egg if you could find them right um, our chicken tripled in price uh about a year and a half ago tripled Whoa. and you can't triple your prices you just have to absorb that um you can raise them a little bit, but and people understand that. But you, you know, it's just part of the cost of doing business. When when food costs skyrocket, you have to try to figure out, you know, what you're going to do. And you, you know, you can only do so much with portion size. You know, if someone comes in and they're getting a much smaller portion and they're paying twice as much, they won't come back. So what's most important is consistency and keeping your customers coming back, not just coming in once, but keep them coming back. Right. Uh, this is a couple more questions, and if you were if you were mayor, not that the mayor has this much power, but if you were able to just make State Street exactly what you want it to be right now, snap your fingers, uh, whether it's any of those plans we saw from MIG or your own sort of ideas, what would it look like? You know, do you want a, a lane for bikes? You want wide outdoor dining? Uh, uh, what what would it look like if you could just say, just do this? I think the outdoor dining um, has proven that if people like it. People enjoy it. I think they should keep it. Um, possibly there might be a couple of blocks that they do open up to car traffic, maybe just one way. Oh. Um, I know the bikes are an issue. I've asked at meetings, why can't they just ban the e-bikes? And for whatever reason, they say we can't do that. Um, I do think you know, the reason being that they, they go 30 miles an hour, 28 miles an hour, and they scare people. And we want all ages, shapes, and sizes downtown. We want our senior citizens to feel comfortable crossing the street, that they're not going to be scared by 
some high school kid on an e-bike that's, you know, showing off to his friends and trying to cut in front of you and run a red light. So, but again, enforcement is important too. If there's no reason to have regulations if there's no enforcement. So I just think they need to listen to what the public wants and try to figure out how to fix it and then move forward. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of voices, a lot of people, you know, a small group has a loud voice. You know, most of the people who have, uh, you know, businesses, restaurants, um, they may not be getting all the attention because they're not complaining. They're not griping. So it's really hard for these city leaders to kind of put this into context because, People have all these different perspectives and it's a largely a generational battle too. If you're of a certain age, you think state street should be this like, you know, bike place, place you can just sort of go down, have a meal, glass of wine, stroll. And that's, that's where you're at at this point in your life. But, you know, 10 years, 15 years older than that, you might have kids and families and you don't really want to have to compete with those bikes because it's a safety issue and then the next generation you want to just like you said go downtown and feel safe and not have to worry about all of this commotion and so that's the challenge is trying to figure out what works for for everybody and uh you know you've been one of the the leaders in all of this and sort of making things happen so i'm sure people value you and appreciate your your perspective Laura, I want to ask you, and I talked, I asked you about this when we did our audio podcast a couple of years ago. I guess it would have been three years ago now because it was right when uh, the beginning of the pandemic. But one of my uh, favorite elected officials over the years was Babatunde Fuliemi. And, uh, you know, he, uh, when I was at the news press, you know, he was, you know, he he was on the city council, but he used to talk to me. He's like, Josh, you got to come over and try my sweet potato pie. You know, I'm selling it from, you know, Pascucci and, you know, Laura's letting me do it. And, uh, you know, he would spend a lot of time there. And, uh, you know, in this day of age, um, you know, we have a lot of different types of elected leaders, but Baba Tunde was somebody who you can't really replace, you know. And I was wondering if you could, he always spoke so fondly of you. I wonder if you could just end the podcast just talking about your memories of him and his role at Pascucci over the years. He's uh, he was an amazing man, very missed. Um, I I still talk to his wife Akiba from time to time, um, but just you know, just he did so much for this city. He um he got kids out of gangs and off the streets and going in a good direction. He was in a gang. He he grew up in um Harlem, rough childhood, rough teenager in a gang, and he. he he got his life on a great path and got kids realizing that they don't need that attention from a gang to get attention, that they could be a good person and, and have a good life. And he really was inspirational for, for kids that were going in a bad direction to write their life and have a better life and not go the gang direction. Yeah. So he, he, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. He had um an uh he had an agency that was it was a pro youth coalition. Pro youth coalition. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um but he started that and he kept it going for a lot of years and that was a really great thing. Yeah. And that name says it all, pro youth coalition. Like we're here for you. 
we want to have you have a good life. We don't want you to go down this path of being a gang member. So yeah, he was an amazing he would man. he would kind of hold court at Pascucci's. Do you remember that? Like he'd kind of hang yeah. out in front and, and he um he I actually had him there as a host a couple <laughs> nights a week. So um he was doing so much volunteer work. But as we know, Santa Barbara is an expensive town to live in. So I just tried to kind of help him have a living so he could afford rent in Santa Barbara. So yeah. I had him there as a host and he was just amazing. You know, he'd greet people at the door. Um, he would make his sweet potato pies and sell them. Yeah. He actually, this was back when Michael Jackson was alive. Um, every month or two, a limo would pull up and his limo driver would run in and grab 10 pies. So <laughs> that was one of his customers. Mm -hmm. I loved his sweet potato pies. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And we actually, um, as a fundraiser for his wife's church, we had a couple of gospel brunches and those were really fun. He made fried chicken and sweet potato pies and we just had great food and great music. He has a few friends that are very musically talented. Um, I don't know if you know Ron Paris. Oh, yeah. 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 You know Ron Definitely. Paris? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Those are really, really fun memories with him. Just an amazing man. Very missed. Very right. Nice. Very missed. Yeah. Well, I know he'd be proud of you and how you've been able to endure all these years and keep Pascucci alive for another generation because uh, he always spoke really highly of you. Uh, Laura, I want to thank you for uh, the podcast and uh, sharing your views and your thoughts on, on downtown and your restaurant and sort of, you know, talking to the city leaders about what they can do. I know everyone I talk to has a great amount of respect for you and your restaurant and your work and your your way of working collaboratively to find solutions and not adversarial and you know it's all you always get what you want with honey you know so you know you're much better at that and so um i appreciate your time and sharing your story yes. the podcast the only the only thing i can say is just for the local community just if you support a local business just patronize it clothing store restaurant um just do your best to support local business you know every we, we need it it's been a challenging three years and um like it's still kind of challenging. We're all still going through it. So, um, anyway, but thank you to the the locals in Santa Barbara.